Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Happy Midweek Show and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. It's me, Liz Loza. You can follow me on Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF. And I am joined by, surprise, surprise, Dalton Del Don. Dalton, give me your Twitter handle real quick. I'm at Dalton Del Don. How's it going, Liz? Uh, a lot of talking with you this week. It's uh, It's been uh, my pleasure. <laughs> it has been my pleasure. Thank you. And you know what? When we last talked on Monday for the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast, we discussed your love of truffles and how having nice. them at French Laundry was this life-altering experience. Well, life-changing, life-altering mushrooms might be a little bit different. I believe I said it was quite overpriced, but we can go with that as well. But sure, it was definitely a lifetime experience. I will say that. It was a very expensive side dish. I just like changing this narrative and teasing you a little yeah, it's bit. It's fine. <laughs> no, no, I got it. It's fine. I, I, I'll live it. I'll live it. I'll own it. It's fine. Thank you. You've been reasonable about it. But what happened, interestingly, was I got quite a few people asking about a restaurant in Playa Vista, which is a community in Los Angeles, because I said, what? You paid that much for truffles at French Laundry? There's this Italian, old school Italian place in Playa Vista where the owner comes out with literal bowls, bushels of the stuff and you can see them. And so people said, what is that restaurant called? And I want to give them a shout out because indeed their food is great. In fact, they have four and a half stars on Yelp. Don't know what that other half star that's missing is about, but it's Casa Modena, again, Casa Modena, and they are located in Playa Vista on Jefferson Boulevard. The address is 11800 Jefferson Boulevard. So if you're listening, owner of Casa Modena, who had all of the truffles, maybe you hook Dalton and I up with the free meal next time we're near the office. Yeah, after that shout out, you better get a hookup, Liz. <laughs> awesome. So hope you all wrote it down. And while you're writing things down, don't forget to check out the Yahoo Sports College podcast, which features Dan Wetzel, Pat Forty, and Pete Thamel, as well as the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast featuring the talents of Therese Paler and Charles Robinson. Both of those podcasts are available on Apple Podcast, Apple Podcasts, as is the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast, to which you are listening and the OG of the Yahoo Podcast Network, the Yahoo Sports MLB podcast. But forget baseball. This is the last week, the last few days, the gasps, if you will, of drafting for fantasy footballers. So have you found or discovered any tips in these last few moments of drafting that you think could benefit those who have yet to do so, Dalton? Uh, just, uh, you know, running backs early, I know that's just a fair, it seems fairly obvious, but I just can't hammer that enough home. I won an early pick this year, 
running backs early, wait on quarterbacks and draft Jimmy G or Pat Mahomes later and go after your guys. I think you were going to say this. Sorry to steal your thunder, but go after your guys. It's just the best advice. It's just don't worry so much about ADP. But if you want a person, take that above all else. So, um, yeah, just kind of just general uh, advice like that. Do you have any more specific, Liz? Well, I think, you know, we talked about on Monday's show, uh, John Brown and John Ross being potential late, late, late round flyers. So I like both of those. If you didn't catch the Monday episode, you know, those are two names to add to that list. And I agree. Yes, go with your guys, because sometimes when you're drafting, you have to think about balance. So while the ADP or the rankings may be one thing, what if you draft a running back like Saquon Barkley in the first round who has incredible upside? And you don't want to follow it up a couple of rounds later with a receiver like Corey Davis, who also has upside. Then it's okay to take Chris Hogan over Corey Davis. Or if you are looking in those middle rounds at running back where stuff, you know, is surrounded by by question marks and you're like, huh, because I found myself doing this one like, hmm, Jamal Williams or Sony Michelle. Now, Sony Michelle is back at practice. The Patriots obviously went after him. They believe in him, but he is a rookie. So there are the question marks. Jamal Williams is not to many people's eye as good as Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones is suspended. So to me, Williams has a safer floor. That is an offense that I want a part of, and there are fewer options. Now, obviously, the Patriots you want a part of as well, but there are two other running backs on that squad who do a similar thing to Sony Michelle. And so while I do have Sony Michelle ranked higher because I feel like his ceiling is higher, if I am looking for balance and the need for a floor guy, I might take Williams because of week one ahead of Sony Michelle. So don't be afraid if your gut is saying, oh, it doesn't feel safe to take this guy right here don't do it just get your target players and forget adp and you know enjoy and be prepared to work the waiver wire i personally listed aaron jones as my favorite sleeper throughout summer but man it's not looking great for me so far it has not gone as, as planned you know he suffered his own injury obviously the, the two game suspension jamal williams has just really solidified himself as that starter in preseason now maybe he will reveal himself just to be the 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 ham and Ager runner that i think he is the plotter uh, obviously, he does have the advantage in, in pass protection. But just touching on that real quick, I will say Aaron Jones' ADP definitely falling now. People are, are more confident in Jamal Williams. One of the little nugget I'll throw out there that I've personally just kind of witnessed over drafts in the last few days, seems to me Bilal Powell is going way too late in drafts right now. I mean, Crowell is still going above him. He's the guy who suffered the concussion. Powell's been there. Um, I know that everyone has been everyone's favorite sleeper for years and disappointed, but uh, the last I saw ADP-wise, his running back, he wasn't even like in the top 50 in running back. So I think he his ADP is the one guy standing way out to me. I think that's a great observation. So there you go, because people get on hype trains and the narrative uh, affects either negatively or positively ADP. So if you have a guy, go get him and construct your roster, keeping balance in mind. I like that Dalton talked about his prediction. He talked about Aaron Jones's prediction over the summer and our other colleagues, and I'm talking about Brad Evans, Matt Harmon, and Scott Pianowski, have their own predictions, which they will share with you now. Thank you, Miss Loza. And now I got Matt Harmon here, Scott Pianowski. We are going to play resident meteorologist, odds makers. Uh, We'd like to lay a little action here and there on the you know, NFL universe and, uh, you know, there's myriad ways to do it nowadays with uh, the legalization of sports gambling in some states. So uh, we are going to grade or set the line, hashtag set the line, your bold predictions that you sent in. 
So let's get down to Dirty Boys and try to see if some of these actually come to fruition. So, Harmon, you're up. What do you got first? All right, yeah, first one comes in uh, from at Alt Stew 2 uh, He sent in that more people will be disappointed by Patriot fantasy performances than pleased. Uh, however, he thinks the Patriots will still find a way in real life. What do you guys think? Is it likely that we end up disappointed with our Patriots this year? Scotty, you're a Patriots guy. Uh, give me a percentage chance of this actually occurring. It's interesting that uh, this comes up first because we did our own bold predictions, and one of my bold predictions was that Tom Brady would be the biggest disappointment in the quarterback top 10. Like The guy turns 41 uh, before the season starts. Father time, obviously undefeated. Uh, so many things have gone wrong with the receivers this summer. A bunch of guys they had expectations for aren't even going to make the team. Edelman's on a four-game suspension off a major injury. I think Chris Hogan's a wonderful player, but we'll, we'll see how much he can do. And the running backs, you know, I think Patriot running backs emerge as the season goes along and become playable. The whole idea that you get to run away from the Patriots running back pool, I think, is a misguided idea. But I don't think we're going to have a lot of clarity to it in the early part of the season. So I, I think this is a 50-50 call. I think the Patriots, I, I'm not drafting Brady proactively. And I think there's a good chance that he's very close to a cliff season. And, um, you, you know, usually the Patriots, I want as many shares as I can. You know, Gronkowski's on the back nine of his career. I don't know how many games Hogan can play and Medola off a major injury. And these are the most appealing guys on the roster. And it's going to take a while for running back definition. So, in fact, just to take a stance on it, I'm actually going to nudge that up to 51% that this <laughs> nice. bold prediction is correct. Uh, I'm going to say 36% chance that this bold uh, prediction comes to fruition. Uh, look, the Patriots have already won the division, right? I mean, True. come on. They're going to face the Bills twice, the Dolphins twice, and the Jets twice. That's six games. That's a large chunk of the fantasy season. I don't see this team taking a step back unless something catastrophic happens to Tom Brady. Uh, no. Uh, I, again, 36%, and I think that's bullish. Yeah, I mean, Brady is still all the the ship that raises all tides. I mean, Father Time is eventually going to win out eventually, but I have a tough time projecting it be, to be this year. But Scott is right. Like, there's much less clarity on this depth chart, which is usually already muddled. I mean, we're we're looking at, like, Philip Dorsett and Cordero Patterson taking major snaps for this team in the first couple weeks of the season. So the only Patriots uh, I've been drafting aggressively are Burkhead and Gronk, and, and that's about it. So – I would give this a fifty percent chance too. I, I understand the I understand the thought process here. All right, Harmon, uh, what do we got next? Next one, and, and as Scott mentioned, we did our own bold predictions piece, and this one kind of lines up with with one that I wrote. Sterling Shepard will be a top twenty mm. wide receiver this year. Mm. Uh, Scotty, where are you at on this one? Give me a percentage chance. I like Shepard a lot. That's just a little bit too far as far as being bullish, but I'd give it about a 25% chance. He's neatly screened here, okay, because Barkley, number two pick in the draft, Beckham just signed the big contract. We know what a, a field tilter he is. Evan Ingram, tight, rookie tight ends are supposed to be in over their head. He certainly wasn't. He's really just a big jumbo receiver. So nobody really paying a lot of attention to Sterling. I, I know that uh, Sterling Shepard, I, I know that, that Matt's trying to change that narrative, but I think he's wonderfully screened. But top 20 is a little bit too big of an ask. I think it's something that plausibly could happen, but I think it's about a 20% chance of actually coming to fruition. Uh, I'm going to say it is a 
percent chance of uh, actually occurring. I love the setup. I love the situation. I think the Giants are going to win the division uh, this year. I don't know if that's a bold take necessarily, but uh, yeah. Shepard. Yeah, I, I think it's bold. I think it's bold. They're over under seven and a half. So yeah, I think it's when you pick a team expected to be a losing team. Maybe it's even seven. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's on the lower side of. Uh, of 500, so I think that's a bold take. Yeah, I think it's like plus 375 uh, for that to come true, so I got a little action on that, and you, you look at Sterling Shepard, 18.4% the target share last year. I think that's got to tick up a little bit. He hits 20%. There's a chance here, if you're talking a full-point PPR league, uh, as long as he can stay healthy with the premium coverage that he's going to see, you know, working opposite of Odell Beckham. You've got Evan Ingram there to contend with, and of course, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's it's long odds, but it could happen. That's why I'm at 30%. Yeah, I, I think 30% sounds fair. Uh, now, if, we, if we're saying what's a percentage chance that he outkicks his wide receiver 47 ADP, I, I think that's probably closer to like a 75 80% chance he yes. does that. But to get all the way into the top 20, I, I said wide receiver two or better in my article. Again, that's bold, bold prediction I made. Um, I, I would say this probably has about a 35% 30 chance of, of coming true. So the takeaway great, being that you want to draft Sterling Shepard. He's a, he's a tremendous correct. value now. A- absolutely. Shepard's been one of my favorite players for a long time. Uh, if you followed me for many, many years, which I apologize for um, <laughs> next, next one comes in uh, from user at, I'm not even, I bet Bahama pro, I guess that's a good thing. Ooh, to can we go there now? Can we hang out yeah. with the pro in the Bahamas? <laughs> Right. He asks, he says that Jarek McKinnon outproduces Alvin Kamara this year. And then he puts in parentheses, please, question mark. So I, I guess he's drafted Jarek McKinnon. Uh, yeah, that, that, that definitely sounds like uh, an overreach uh, on his part. Scotty, what's the percentage chance that McKinnon actually sets the pace ahead of Alvin Kamara? Uh, maybe he's just trolling one of my bold predictions, which is that McKinnon would not be the leading touchdown scorer for the, uh, for the Niners in the backfield. I think Morris is going to have a share of this offense. I think if Breed is healthy, he's going to have a share of this offense. If McKinnon was going to pop, I wonder why it didn't happen last year. Obviously, he was a quarterback for a lot of his college career, so he's not the most instinctual runner. I think he's a trap in the second round. I think he's a dicey pick in the third round. Anything can happen. Kamara could you know, break his leg tomorrow, but I'm thinking this is like a 15, 10 to 15% chance, and I think McKinnon is somebody you don't want to draft. I'm going to set it at 21% chance that this happens. I'm with Scotty on this one. Jarek McKinnon was terribly inefficient, especially when he got above about, you know, 16 touches in a particular game. You know, he folds like a, a house of cards. And, uh, you know, I, I just I'm not buying that he's got to get uh, enough of a workload to justify him getting into that area needed to, you know, outperform an Alvin Kamara. And, and as Scotty mentioned, Alfred Morris, Matt Breida, it's going to be a, a timeshare of some sort and a Shanahan backfield, I think McKinnon has been one of the biggest overreaches in fantasy drafts, yes, even in PPR, this entire drafting season. Yeah, I I, I don't think that this is very likely to happen. Uh, Alfred Morris, honestly, has been a guy that, that I've warmed up to, like, super late yeah. in best ball drafts. Like, it's, you know, I think he obviously is going to make that team, and, and this backfield is interesting. All right. Sounds like we're not buying that one. Let's move on to this. Let me say one more, one more quick thing about this, just because I think this is such a fascinating question. Garoppolo is so beloved, and Shanahan is so beloved. I think it's only natural to think that there's somebody else here who's going to pop. Who is the 49er you want most on your roster of the rest of the guys? Marquise Goodwin. I like that. <laughs> That's my guy. Harmon? I think we lost Harmon. We lost Harmon. 
No, sorry, I'm here. My my my, uh, my headphones died. My bad. Oh, that's all right. Well, so outside of uh, some of the players mentioned uh, from San Francisco, who do you like most on this team? It was George Kittle before the preseason injury. Me too. Um, but now I think it's easily Marquise Goodwin. Um, yeah, we're all on yeah. Goodwin. We're all chewing Trident. Nice. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> all right, what do you got next, Harmon? Let me get this next one in here. I like this one a lot, actually. This one comes in from – I'm not even going to try to read that Twitter handle. But uh, Jordy Nelson ends the season with 1,100-plus yards and over nine touchdowns. What do you guys think of this one? Holy Zero mackerel, percent. Scotty. Zero percent. I'm out on the Raiders. This team is 20 years behind the times. I think yeah. Gruden was a mistake of a hire. I, I don't – I'm drafting everybody who I have on an Oakland share is a reactive pick, not a proactive pick. I think Jordy Nelson is very close to the end of his career. I'd be shocked if he was somebody we could trust in fantasy. But, but Scotty, he's running straight lines at 22 miles per hour. No, <laughs> I, I'm with you, man. Uh, uh, point zero five percent. It, it is minuscule. It is uh, infinitesimal that it's actually going to occur. I'm with Scotty. Uh, it, we, you know, Scotty and I were in the Stilpa Shining Armor uh, auction draft back in mid-July in Las Vegas. And the only wager that I made at the local sports book was the under on total wins for the Raiders, which was eight at plus 115. And I hammered the living daylights out of it. I'm with Scott. Uh, this is an antiquated offense run by the Crypt Keeper or Chucky or whatever you want to call him, a guy that is well beyond his time. Yeah, I think this is very unlikely to happen, that line. But similarly to similarly to Sterling Shepard, I don't think that this prediction is going to come true. But I do think Nelson has a somewhat decent chance to outkick his ADP. You know, I did not think I'd be drafting Jordy Nelson at all in fantasy this year. But I have started to warm up to him at a super cheap cost just because I think he gives you access to some touchdown upside. They've not trusted Amari Cooper as a red zone threat in the past. Maybe that changes under this coaching staff. But I think Nelson will be the go-to guy inside the 20-yard line. Um, so he has been somebody I've been willing to draft as a wide receiver 3-4, which you know, essentially I'm not, like Scott said, I'm not trusting him in fantasy, but I'm willing to roster him. Um, I know you want to have a hard rule about this, but is there an age where receivers start to make you nervous? depends on the role um like if nelson was going to be somewhere where i thought he was going to strictly play as the x receiver uh i think he'd be he'd make me nervous i think it just depends on the player specific and like what role they're going to play i think the the fact that they put griff whalen on ir they traded ryan switzer i'm hoping that this means they they get jordy nelson some routes out of the slot and in the middle of the field and i think that will help slow down the aging curve for at least another year uh, all right, well, that's a wrap uh, on this edition of Hashtag Set the, the Line. Stay as far away as humanly possible from Jordy Nelson, unless you're <laughs> really a riverboat gambler, or maybe you like Jordash jeans, which I'm sure Miss Loza had a pair back in 1988 in her ensemble. Back to you guys. Thanks, gents. Those were definitely some uh, interesting thoughts heading into the 2018 season. Heading into the 2018 season, less thoughts, more news. Aaron Rodgers got paid. I know. Shocking, right, Dalton? Yeah. Uh, the Niners, I'm still bitter they passed on him, but go ahead. Uh, it, it's, it's blowing my mind <laughs> that Aaron Rodgers is now the league's highest paid player at $33.5 million per year in new money. The Packers signed QB Aaron Rodgers to a four-year, $134 million extension through 2023 with $100 million guaranteed. This was reported by his former teammate, James Jones. Uh, go get yours, A-Rod. I mean, I don't think this changes anybody's 
fantasy thoughts, but I do think what's interesting is that Randall Cobb remains being one of those talked about players who is very available on the market. The Packers are willing to trade him. Any thoughts on Aaron Rodgers um, and more interestingly, Randall Cobb? Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is worth it. In fact, he's still probably uh, underpaid, really, relative uh, best player in the league, most important player. Randall Cobb, this is, I'm starting to take this quite seriously. I think there's a chance he gets cut if they don't find any takers. So I've bumped down Randall Cobb in my my rankings. The problem is there's no one that I could ostensibly move up as a result. I just don't see a a clear beneficiary. We'll see which rookie uh, emerges later on. But I am concerned about this chatter of Cobb getting moved or released, obviously, any move away from Aaron Rodgers would be a downgrade to his fantasy value. Interestingly, Randall Cobb, now I assume this this information is going to change this, but he is still uh, available. He's going off the board, rather, in the eighth round of drafts. He's the 37th wide receiver off the board, according, according to current ADP value, which means that guys like Mike Williams, who we're both high on, is going a round later. And Mike Williams' ADP has even crept up. And even more so, Matt Harmon's sleeper, Kenny Stills, is available in the 10th round. So Randall Cobb, I mean, I would take Stills or Williams ahead of, uh, I'd take either of those guys rather ahead of Randall Cobb. You agree? No question. Wouldn't even think twice for sure. Yeah. So those are nice value targets later. I do think this makes me want to move Ty Montgomery up. I talked about this a couple of times. I can't remember, frankly, Dalton, because you and I've had so many conversations, both online, offline, about fantasy, about parenting about food. Um, I know that we chatted about this. Um, I think Ty Montgomery is going to move back into that slot receiver role, especially if they cut Randall Cobb. So those people with the positional flexibility and in PPR formats, I would think about snagging Ty Montgomery and thinking that you're snagging a late round wide receiver in terms of points as you're projecting because he interestingly, is available also in the early t- early part of the 10th round. So, you know, you have a choice. Ty Montgomery, who you could use at running back, but think of as a wide receiver, or Kenny Stills around the same spot. Between those two guys, do you have a thought? Uh, I would probably lean towards Stills. Just I don't see Montgomery staying healthy, but maybe if he switches more to the receiver role. I mean, it's a it's a debate, but with Devontae Parker, I have absolutely no confidence. Give me give me Stills. Yeah, so I think the Packers are really going to concentrate their touchdowns between Graham and, and, and Adams, and then Rodgers really just spread it out elsewhere yep. I, I, as far as the aerial attack, which isn't the great, greatest that- news for fantasy owners. I do think you're going to get a decent amount of catches out of, uh, out of Ty Montgomery, though, but it remains to be seen. So for me... If you're discounting Cobb, then you're elevating Ty Montgomery. Maybe work a trade if you've already a cheap trade, as uh, someone on Twitter tweeted me they did after I gave them this advice. Um, If you have Cobb and you've already drafted. A little bit of other news per Adam Schefter. The Saints acquired quarterback Teddy Bridgewater from the Jets. So it looks like he's going to back up the 38-year-old, 39-year-old Drew Brees. Nothing much to talk about except I like this move for the Saints. I, I think it's cool, and I'm glad Bridgewater is getting a real – a real. I don't want to say he's getting a real shot because he's still the backup, but here's a place for him to develop and maybe rebrand himself. Yeah, who knows how long, obviously, Drew Brees will play, but assuming it's not it, – Bridgewater, certainly long-term, it's a nice spot. I mean, a dome environment, the coaching staff, great. If they can groom him under Peyton, uh, yeah, for sure, nice upside long-term. But, again, he's, he's buried behind uh, – an entrenched starter. And uh, the other, on the flip side, 
Sam Darnold has one fewer guy to, to compete with. Uh, we got McCown and him, but uh, money's on, on Darnold to be the starter right away week one now. Absolutely. This is what the Jets wanted to do. They were, you know, dangling Teddy Bridgewater as trade bait. Somebody bit. Congratulations. But I think it's a little bit foolish from a football standpoint because I think the objective is to, you know, it's like when we talk about dynasty, sometimes people get so focused on the future that they forget to win now. And I think the Jets could do well winning now and starting Teddy Bridgewater and letting Darnold sit for a while and actually developing him. But hey, the Jets make their own decisions as evidenced by uh, the last I don't know what five years. Yeah, definitely. We'll see what happens for sure. Um, that's definitely something. I mean, Darnold. I want to see all these rookies sooner rather than later. I mean, I mean, yeah, Terod Taylor is going to be nice. I want to see Mayfield. I want to see the rookies right away. Oh, I don't agree. I, I want to sit. I'm. I have a bold prediction that Terod is going to stay the starter um, until Thanksgiving. I think that which would be right after their Week 11 bye. But I, I think. The Browns are a 500 team, and then eventually, once they realize that they're not in playoff contention, they turn things over to Mayfield. But Tarad has stole my heart, especially after watching Hard Knocks. I hear you. I'm not using the Steelers week one in Survivor. I'll I'll put it that way. Oh, no. They're going to lose. They're going to lose. Last time they went to Cleveland early in the season last year, they sleepwalked through that game until the middle of the fourth quarter. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm definitely not taking pit. So I hear you. I mean, Cleveland's going to be sneaky good. Their their schedule is tough. So it's going to a it's tough to go from zero wins to six to begin with. But uh, their schedule is difficult too. But they're going to be hard out. So they're going to be very 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 mediocre, which is a, a step in the right division, in the right direction. direction. <laughs> so someone who's not taking a step in the right direction is Elshon Jeffrey because it looks like he's going to be missing at least two weeks. As a former Bears fan, I say former, you can tweet me about it later if you don't know. Um, I understand Jeffrey's soft tissue issues, but you have thoughts, Dalton, on how Jeffrey's potential absence will affect the rest of the squad. Yeah, sure. I know there's concerns about Wentz and just a lot of injuries on that team right now. Even Nelson Aguilar himself, it was missing practice time, but former first round pick. Eight TDs last year and, and limited targets. I moved him inside my my wide receiver top 30. I really think he benefits here. I mean, this is a team that just won the Super Bowl. I mean, an innovative offense. They put their players in position to succeed. But I'm actually more excited about Mike Wallace uh, in the sense of I'm not moving him above Aguilar. But I've moved him into my top 45 above the aforementioned Randall Cobb. Wallace is still fast. I mean, he got 8.5 yards per target the last two years in Baltimore with Joe Flacco throwing to him. I mean, he was just terrible. Wallace ranked 21 in air yards last year in between Fitzgerald and Tyreek Hill. I don't know, man. You move Wallace into a a starting role. uh, He's quite interesting to me suddenly, fantasy-wise. Well, and Nelson Aguilar has been banged up with a lower body injury for, I don't know, since early August, I believe. And he didn't hit the practice field until Monday of this week. So he's not 100%. Yes, it's a step in the right direction. But there are other short yardage weapons there. Um, And Carson Wentz did tend to turn to Aguilar in those situations. But again, you know, who knows the efficacy of the potential efficacy of Darren Sproles, especially because Darren Sproles was kind of Frank Reich's guy. Like that was his pick. And he's obviously in Indianapolis and Corey Clement's also been a little bit banged up and he's rather unproven. I think this might also mean more for Jay Ajayi because Peterson is coming from a, Andy Reid style offense and they typically rely on one running back. Now they didn't do that last year. He didn't do that last year. And it burned me literally in the one chip challenge in regards to Jay Ajayi. But I do think with fewer red zone threats available 
um, and questions under center because Nick Foles isn't totally healthy and who knows what Nate Studfield could bring, maybe they decide to run it more and Jay Ajayi is less of, um, oh, what's the word, less of a dart throw than he was at, at the you know, end of last year. Yeah, Darren Sproles is 35 years old and coming off a, a major injury. I'm not too worried about him getting many touches. I actually have more to say about Jay Ajayi, so we'll leave it at that. That's just some foreshadowing. Oh, interesting. Okay, well then uh, let's get to it. Let's go to our our season, our 2018 season predictions. There are three topics. I'm going to begin with the fantasy MVP. Do you have thoughts here? I'm yeah, so probably, I am literally intrigued now. Oh, I probably could have segued it even smoother than that by uh, literally any other way. Because it is Jay Ajayi. That is who I'm going to go with, fantasy MVP. Obviously, I'm, I'm higher on the, these Eagles. They won the Super Bowl again. I love their offensive line. I just love the system. And they're going to concentrate these touchdowns more if, I mean, it's very possible Jeffrey's banged up all season, only not playing like he did last year. They, there's no LeGarrette Blunt there now. I said Sproles is 35 years old. Uh, Ajayi, the reason I say fantasy MVP is because no one, everyone's shying away from him right now. I mean, there's some mysterious lower, lower leg injury he's dealing with, and he's missed practice like 10 days right now. So he's completely, you can get him five, six seven, uh, you know, those rounds in your draft. So I think he has the upside of finishing top 10 running back easy, maybe even top five. Yes, he hasn't racked up the receptions in the past, but he is capable of it. It's not like he's Jordan Howard there. So I think Jay Ajayi, I'm going to go with as a dark horse uh, fantasy MVP. I think that's a great pick. I just don't let him in your hotel room because he'll trash it. But that's not my problem or your problem. It's Doug Peterson's problem. So um, I, I think that's great. It looks like we were kind of on the same wavelength, which is nice since we've been talking to each other so frequently. Um, exactly. I have another running back. Mine is Leonard Fournette. I think he could finish a top five running back. The Jacksonville Jaguars have added all pro left guard Andrew Norwell to the line. So I think that solidifies things and that helps make an even like a strong line even better. I dig the fact that he lost 15 pounds. He's a bigger guy, but that, you know, less weight could potentially help his ankle, which he's had problems with because it's less to deal with. Um, and, and the weight loss appears to have improved his burst and his explosiveness. He hit a hot 21-yard touchdown. He ran it in um, during the regular season dress rehearsal. And in 2017, this is a guy who averaged over 20 carries per game. So if we preach volume in fantasy all the time, you've got the volume, you've got the physique, you've got the offensive line, and you've got a quarterback that the – a head coach doesn't particularly want throwing and you've got a solid defense. So there are times to grind out the clock. Like the Jacksonville Jaguars are not built, are not a team built to win from behind. They've got to score early and then ride it out. So if they are going to replicate or come close to replicating what they did last year, that means a whole lot of Leonard Fournette and assuming he's healthy this year, which he should be with less weight again. And you know, Norwell at the center, then I think he could be a top five RB. Yeah, I was entered a uh, summer skeptical of him. Uh, I was worried about the the injuries, but man, uh, I'm with you. He's I've moved him way up my draft. I moved him up to number eight overall. Actually, I really think he could be a total total monster. I would consider him over Antonio Brown. Even he he looks healthy, and you look at the yards per carry last year. Just disregard it. It's because it was before and after the injury. I like the setup there with a terrific defense and offensive line. Yet they want to hide the quarterback. Uh, in his prime, he, you know, he laughed last year coming to college. So the NFL is easy. And it sounds like he didn't even take it seriously. And now that he is, uh, I'm with you, could be a total monster. I mean, Fournette's the kind of guy who could, I uh, wouldn't surprise anyone if he finishes the number one overall fantasy guy this year. 
I am taking, I took him ahead of Zeke Elliott in one league. I think I admitted this. It was my home league. And I was like, forget it. I'm just going to do it. This, I don't care. And yeah, it, I like that. Just because everyone in everyone's head, they just think this ADP they've heard for two months, but totally. I'm, I'm, I have no problem with that whatsoever. I applaud it. In fact, I appreciate the applause. Who's someone who won't get your applause next year because they will be the fantasy bust of 2018? Yeah, so is LaShawn McCoy too obvious? Because I feel like it is. I mean, why are yeah. people even still spending any pick in the first five rounds? Just the age and the situation, and he could be suspended tomorrow. It's just bizarre to me. Um, so I'm going to go with a little one, just more of a gut feel. I'm not going to throw some crazy stats at you or whatever. But whenever Joe Mixon gets drafted, I'm always like, man, he was like five spots below where I was considering all my just running back draft board. So I don't know. I owned him as a rookie. I know that people can get better, and the yards per carry is not everything. And they're certainly going to turn that backfield over to him. But uh, I don't know. I don't think that team's going to win more than five or six games. And um, the offensive line is still a question mark. So Joe Mixon is a guy to me where he's going to most drafts. Uh, he sticks out as a guy that I want no part of. And this is where we disagree. I am ridiculously high on Joe Mixon. I think he's fantastic RB2 fodder if you can get him. To me, if you look at his situation last season, you know, he was the rookie running back running behind a veteran with Marvin Lewis, who's not the most forward-thinking mind, shall we say, um, heading up the team. And so he, I think, was playing you – know, he was favoring Jeremy Hill. And then finally he started to get some run about week 20, started getting significant touches, doing stuff with it. And then – did I say week 20? That's not right. Week 13. <laughs> it was week 13 he started getting significant touches, like 20-plus-ish touches. And he was doing stuff with it, but then he was concussed shortly thereafter. And yeah. – banged up and so he never really got the opportunity and he missed reps and fell behind I like the improvements that the Bengals have tried to make to the offensive line now admittedly Cordy Glenn's injury does have me schwitzen a little bit because that that is an issue but I also think Mixon's talent is there when you watch tape you can see it as a pass catcher he converted I believe 30 of 34 targets last season so he's got the hands he's got the thir the three down skill set the circumstances have changed to allow him the volume. The question is, of course, can he work behind an offensive line with a lot of question marks and can this offensive line gel? I actually think that offense is going to get better. We talked about John Ross at the beginning, AJ Green. I, he's a perennial, you know, low end wide receiver one. Tyler Eifert could stay healthy. I like his value. And even if he doesn't, they have Croft. So I don't see... To me, Andy Dalton has always been a quarterback whose production is dragged along by the weapons around him, right? So if he has yep. solid weapons, he produces well. He is not a, like a reverse situation where he makes everyone better. But I do think he has an opportunity here to be better because if John Ross develops like we're hunching he may and – Gio Bernard is in the mix. Now, I'm not that worried about Gio Bernard um, taking away from Joe Mixon. I don't see this as a, as a timeshare at all. So to me, Mixon is going to be the guy, and there are enough field stretchers available to give him room to run. Yeah, you can project him safely for if he stays healthy, 250 touches for sure. That's why I say it's more of a gut feel for me with, with Mixon. But give me personally a Jaihe over him, and that's even regardless of price. Uh, but, uh, I mean, the argument for a Jaihe, especially with Jeffrey banged up, makes a lot of sense. So I don't – and because so many people are pivoting on the recency bias. So there's a fair point. We both have our 
Um, well, I yeah, think to, to, much to be higher. clear, I mean, the guy is dealing with a lower leg injury and he has a bone on bone, uh, you know, condition dating back to college. So I'm, I'm definitely taking more of a risk here, but at his price, I love his upside, but who's your, uh, who's your fantasy bust of the year, Liz? So my obvious one was Carson Wentz, but like your shady option, I feel like I've been talking about this on and on and on since early, you know, since July or something. So I don't want to go into that one. I think instead Demarius Thomas is showing up to me as someone who was way overdrafted. I mean, he's entering his age 30 season. He's been dinged up this summer with a toe issue and a wrist issue. And frankly, Emmanuel Sanders, who is a way cheaper, like rounds cheaper, looks better, has rapport with Case Keenum. Plus, you add in the fact that um, the Cortland Sutton, the rookie, I think is going to steal volume away from Demarius Thomas because the thing that always made Demarius Thomas productive from a fantasy perspective was a narrow, a, a narrow passing tree, but that's not as narrow anymore. I mean, Sutton has looked great and they, this was a high, a high round draft pick. And I don't think the team would have invested in him if they didn't want him, want to use him right away. And so I think that Demarius Thomas, like I have this gut feeling like your Mixon feeling that he's not going to be on the field after week nine. I don't think he's going to play a full season. I think Emmanuel Sanders bounces back from that ankle injury and is one of these, you know, wide receiver three flex types that just helps keep your team afloat while Demarius Thomas totally busts. Yeah, I, I entered summer uh, actually really liking Demarius Thomas, and he was in the best shape of his life, he said, but I've totally flipped and, and with you on this uh, for sure. Case Keenum has just loved uh, Sanders. You can't deny it. And then at some point, it looks like he's his, his preferred target. And you look last year at Thomas's game speed at the next-gen uh, NFL stats. They were slower, man. It was a player in decline. So it seems to me like their, two, their ADPs should be similar, if not completely flip-flopped. So I'm with you there with Thomas. All right, who's your breakout star? My breakout star is uh, Keelan Cole. I just think he's going to get the opportunity uh, with Jacksonville now that Marquise Lee is out. And if you look at their schedule, I know these aren't perfect, but it really sets up nicely. A very easy schedule for opposing wide receivers. So Keelan Cole in his four-game sample last year when he got an opportunity, put up big stats. And I uh, I do expect a, a nice little breakout from him. And uh, I got it. Just I haven't talked about the George Kittle for a while. And I know Andy Barron's likes too. But we're getting to the season starting soon. I know he's returning to practice. So I think George Kittle is going to have a nice breakout season if he can somehow, some way, stay healthy. Uh, they were that 49ers. I love Goodwin, but he's 5'9". That team is begging for a red zone option. They keep kicking field goals again. I mean, they, they brought out Jimmy G, I believe, in the first series of the third quarter in the third preseason game because they were upset. They can't score enough touchdowns as Shanahan wants. So, so Kittle, if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a monster in that red area for the Niners this year. I love that you mentioned Kittle because news reports are showing that he is back in practice uh, after that shoulder injury he suffered in the preseason. Question for you. Week one, the 49ers have... Tough matchup, yes. Very yep, tough. Got the Vikings at Minnesota. So, are like, I feel like that is knowing that um, the Purple People Eaters and that defense, that is a matchup in which Kittle's shoulder could be very easily be re-injured. With their safeties, that's tough. Yeah, that's kind of a one-to-prove-it game for sure. I get it, unless you're going real real cheap in DFS. But, yeah, that's certainly not an ideal start. The 49ers in general have a very tough start. Do not be surprised when they're 1-3 and three over the first month of the year. So a slow start for the 49ers and your boy, Jimmy GQ. Yeah, certainly record-wise. Yeah, I, th I think they'll be able to move the ball. But, but record-wise, it's going to be a slow start, I expect. Yeah. All right, so 
you, you, you know, I like that you mentioned a slow start, right? Because I think Cam Meredith is going to go off, is I'm not going to go off. I think he is going to have a very slow start to the season, so much so that Traquan Smith, holla, this is my breakout star, the third round pick out of UCF, uh, who's 6'2 and 210 pounds, will take his job. Cam Meredith is 6'2 and 200 pounds, coming off of an ACL undrafted player that got some fame in Chicago. He went to Illinois State, so he was a local kid. I loved the story, but this was a guy who didn't have much of a pedigree. Um, and Sean Payton is not afraid of using young guys. This is not the John Fox. This is not the Marvin Lewis. Sean Payton's one of the most creative offensive minds in the NFL right now, and I don't think he'd have any problem throwing out Traquan Smith, especially after his preseason showing. I mean, he converted all four of his looks in week three, which is, as everyone says, the regular season dress rehearsal, um, for 39 yards and a touchdown. In college last year, he had 13 touchdowns and averaged nearly 20 yards per reception. He's a physical player who can win 50-50 balls. He thrives as a deep threat. And hello, Tad Ginn is 33 years old. Traquan Smith in New Orleans will break out. This is next year's receiver version of Alvin Kamara. I don't think it happens probably until October, but it's going to happen. Yeah, wasn't Meredith not offered a contract by Chicago or something happened there? They, they really were concerned with his health. And then suddenly New Orleans like, oh, everything's fine. Clearly it wasn't. So, yeah, definitely a slow start there. He didn't have a catch, I don't think, in the preseason. And he he ran a lot of routes, too. So, again, yeah. as you mentioned, older. So, Smith, for sure, a guy that was completely off my radar two months ago, especially a, a best ball guy. I like Traquan Smith. I'm with you. You got to look at those matchups. I agree. And Cam Meredith is apparently supposed – I think they're going to make him play a ton – during the fourth week of the preseason, but my guess is they're going to make him play a ton because he's on right, the roster and they yeah. want to see. That's, that's not a good sign, is when you say you're going to play a lot in the fourth game. Exactly. Right. So there's my breakout star. Why don't you guys tweet us your breakout stars or some of your predictions? Because we'd love to hear your thoughts. We can all learn together. It's synergistic. It's a nice um, system of growing and evolving education and knowledge. So please tweet us. Again, I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. Dalton? I'm at Dalton Veldon. And if you don't already follow the Yahoo Fantasy handle, at Yahoo Fantasy, Matt Harmon mans that. So if you have questions for him, go ahead and bother him and let him bring him along into our constantly growing bubble of knowledge. Also, go ahead and um, subscribe and review the Yahoo Sports Fantasy podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. And have a wonderful day. Oh, and if you haven't already, go sign up for the game Yahoo dot com slash fantasy football until next time